1: Welcome back. Welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus. This is South Coast Tonight. Chris isn't with us today, but he'll be back on Monday, and I'll be back on Monday as well. Just a couple of production notes, or I guess housekeeping things. We're not on tomorrow and Friday, so we're obviously off for Thanksgiving. So enjoy your Thanksgiving and enjoy Friday too. Um, we will not be on Friday. I don't think anybody's here Friday uh, for um, at the station. And then Monday, Chris and I will be here. I'm going to be here Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Thursday next week will be the Patriots Bills game. And so obviously, WBSM is the number one home in the South Coast for the Patriots. And so that's the biggest game of the year. So obviously, they're going to, you know, we're carrying the Patriots game here. This is huge. This is the season. Right. So we're the, 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 the you'll, you'll be listening to the Patriots here um on WBSM play the bills, upset the bills on a Thursday night game. It'll be riveting. And then Friday, Jack Spillane will be in, he's filling in for Chris and I, Chris and I have a social engagement that we're, we're both going to. And so you get to hear, you'll, you'll get to um, call Jack Spillane and, you know, shoot him some messages and let them know what's on your mind. So just responding to an app chat message. Um, so, um, are from Dartmouth or new Bedford, uh, asked if, um, they were wondering if, uh, Anthony Puente, who is, uh, New Bedford firefighter, um, New Bedford Fire Department veteran, has been there, been here for a long time. Gave us some excellent fire safety tips for the holidays and just in general. And we had some callers call in. uh, One of whom had actually said uh, to to um, to uh, Anthony, uh, "Hey, did you have a father the same name? He was he was my teacher at Roosevelt. I had graduated from Roosevelt uh, fifty years ago today, or fifty years ago, and." It was his father. So someone else asked, uh, wondering if, uh, wondering if your father was a teacher at Roosevelt High. I had a teacher of the same name. He was very well liked, and it was a long time ago. Yes, that was Anthony Puente's father, who was also named uh, Anthony Puente and uh it was a very well liked and uh and and um well respected uh teacher over at at roosevelt middle so um yes to answer your question yes and uh a caller had actually brought that up earlier um in the uh in the segment as well but i like having you know we've had anthony in a few times uh anthony was my coach actually at bishop stang in freshman year and then he went up to jv with us and varsity and all that and uh we were great. He was our, he was our line coach. So he was literally, he was my position coach and, uh, always really appreciated how much he stuck by our group and supported us and supported me in particular, uh, because, um, I (laughs) was not a good student in high school. (laughs) I was a bad student. So, um, uh, but Anthony always stuck by me, he believed in me. And I real I've always, I've always appreciated that very much. So, um, so 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program. If you missed Anthony's, uh, fire safety tips, I think he gives a, uh, that we just had, I think he gives a very comprehensive, um, very comprehensive, uh, you know, advice on how best to handle certain aspects of the holidays like cooking, turkey fries, um, lighting, Christmas trees, um, uh, smoke detectors, or or carbon monoxide detectors. We had some callers call in and ask about that. Uh, one of the things I really like, because we know we, we do have people that live in, you know, um, Harborview Towers, Melville Towers, et cetera, if you live in a, a, a complex like that. Um, uh, what I thought this is. Uh, definitely advice worth it's all worth repeating, but if you want to listen to it, uh, you can go to uh, wbsm.com and, and listen to the podcast version. It should already be up by now. If not, it'll be up soon. But one I thought it was really important to bring up is, you know, have a buddy system, have a friend that, uh, you know, you know, their number, he knows your number, the room numbers, you have a meeting place outside you have two, uh, and you meet at that meeting place. And if you don't see your friend there, your buddy, you can tell a firefighter, hey, my buddy's supposed to be here. He's not here. He lives on this. He's on this uh, fight, you know, the fire floor, the fifth floor room, whatever. And uh, they will they'll go uh, look for him. So I thought that was really good. And I think worth repeating. So and have two, two, uh, two egress plans as well, two egress plans as well. So 508 996 500 is how you can get in the program. You know, Chris and I we got Thanksgiving tomorrow. Um, we got Thanksgiving tomorrow. I don't know if you're going to any of the football games. Uh, I might go to the Fairhaven Dartmouth game, I was thinking. Uh, the staying at the staying, the, Stang, the Stang, I went to Stang, but the Stang games in Attleboro at Bishop Fehan. Uh, and that's a long, it's <laughs> just a long way to go. Um, but uh, I always like those Thanksgiving games. And I, uh, what I realized is it's actually unique. It's kind of unique to this area because when I played college football, I played from a lot of people from the South, and none of them really played on Thanksgiving. And here, your Thanksgiving game is your big rival, right? It's your big rival. So I was wondering if anybody's going to any of the Thanksgiving games around here. I'm thinking about going to the Fair and Dartmouth game. Um, you know, it might be some other games uh, going on. But if you're going to one of those games, let me know. I, I'd like to know what what's what the action is. I haven't been following South Coast high school football as much since I've, you know, since I've graduated. But um, since I've graduated, but it's always been something I've tried to keep an eye on. So uh, 508-996-0500 saying in the program, you know, Chris and I talked a, li- uh, a lot about. Last night, the you know the Ward Three race to replace Hugh Dunn. There's a lot of uh, I think really strong uh, contenders and candidates that are emerging from that race, and we'll definitely hear from them more as the um, as the election unfolds. I think Ian Abrams said last night that people can actually now go pull papers for the election now that the election's been ordered, uh, and Hugh Dunn will have formally resigned by December third. But now that the election's ordered. Ian believes you can go to the elections office and pull papers for Ward 3. So um, if you're a candidate and you're listening, you can't go tomorrow or probably Friday, but you can go Monday and pull those papers. Um, what Chris and I were talking about after the Ward 3 discussion, which I always thought was interesting, it's an interesting topic, yesterday was the 59th anniversary of the assassination of JFK. On November 22nd, 1963, uh, Dealey Plaza in Dallas, JFK uh, you know, our 40, 40th, 40th president of the uh, United States uh, was was shot and killed. And it, it was one of those things like, you know, people talk about Water, Watergate as one of the, f- you know, really the first time, you know, we've lost the public trust. I, I, I would say that I think that I think that it's I really think it's the Kennedy assassination. And I think for a lot of reasons i like what chris had said the 50s ended when kennedy was when kennedy was shot was basically kind of like the innocence and you know the uh the, the 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 trajectory of the of the country changed with that event and so there's always and it's still you know it's it's probably the most purposefully obfuscated event um, in modern American history, right? It's probably the most purposefully obfusc- uh, obfuscated event in mo- uh, modern, modern American history. And there's so many. And so everybody's got, you know, different theories on what happened with the Kennedy assassination. And I think, you know, we had a really good conversation on it yesterday, but I think it's worth continuing. And, I, you know, if you're interested, I'd like to hear your thoughts at 508 0500. That's how you can get in the program. You know, one of the things we first brought up was the uh, potential connection with uh, former president George H.W. Bush. Now, there is a book called Family of Secrets. I believe the author's name is Russ Baker. Uh, He had basically linked George H.W. Bush to the Kennedy assassination. And, you know, there's other people that have done so as well. Uh, I'm not supporting or denying any any of these theories, but Um, You know, I think the theory behind that was that George H.W. Bush uh, had gotten actually so George H.W. Bush in like the mid 70s in 1976 by by President Ford or 1975, maybe by President Ford had gotten tapped to be head of the CIA. Now, George Bush was a one term congressman. He was a he was a uh, he was a veteran. Um, not a one-term congressman, but he wasn't in the Congress for that long. He was twice a failed Senate candidate. Uh, he was, an, you know, he was a um, an oil executive, right? It didn't make sense to tap George H. W. Bush uh, at the time for director of the CIA, but you know what? I think they posit what the author posits in Family of Secrets is basically that. Um, well, G- Gerald Ford might have known that. George Bush, H.W. Bush has a lot more experience in the CIA than a lot, maybe a lot of people uh, lead on. There's documents that uh, suggest that George H.W. Bush had trained um, anti-Castro Cubans, right, Cuban exiles for the CIA. But one of the uh, one of the one of the things that they point to is an interagency memo uh, that was uh, that was sent to George H.W. Bush that basically briefs him on the um, that briefs him on potential threats to JFK's life right before he gets shot. There's an interagency memo. Um, Interagency memos uh, typically have a very high level of clearance. Now, this was issued to George W. Bush in, again, 1963, which on the record, he has no affiliation with the Central Intelligence Agency. I think for all intents and purposes, George H.W. Bush's is fir- uh, on the record. His first interaction with the Central Intelligence Agency is when he becomes the director of it. This book posits basically that he was, he has been with them since he was a teenager. Um, you know, the Bushes are good friends with the Dulleses, uh, John Foster and Alan Dulles. Alan Dulles was di- the director at the CIA who was fired by... Um, by JFK after the Bay of Pigs incident, we'll get into that in a minute. But basically, what they're saying is George Bush got an interagency memo. Uh, it's it's addressed to George Bush, um, talking about threats on Kennedy's life. Now, the theory that, that is posited is that there was another George Bush that worked in the CIA at the time. Now, in the CIA, uh, now that George Bush that worked in the CIA at the time. Did not have a job that had the level of clearance that would have allowed for him to get an interagency memo. He was, I think, basically viewed as a as a uh, more of administrative uh, administrative assistant so that. It's strange that there's a memo, you know, so people it's the, all of this is on the peripheries, right? You can't we can't we can't say George Bush did this. We can't say so such and such did that or Sam Jean Connor or anybody did this. But these are sort of the threads that people are putting together because, again, this is the most purposefully obfuscated event in modern American history. Um, there's more on, uh, on on President Bush as well, but we're going to take your calls at 508-996-0500. Good evening. Good evening. How you doing?
2: Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Um, so, I just have a couple of questions for you. I, I liked. Um, now, what, was he the fire? He wasn't the fire
1: chief, was he? No, he wasn't the fire chief. He's just a, he he's, a the, uh, he's, the, uh, he's a longtime veteran of the. He's one of the. He's a long time veteran of the of the department. Yeah, like
2: a representative for the yeah. best of fire.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I'm just um, I like he, the whole buddy the, system. Uh, the only well, thing that that kind of he runs the safe
1: me, he, he runs the safe program.
2: The safe program, okay, yeah. Um, it was great. I, I I thought it was a good uh, a good segment. Thank <laughs> I you. I think there was a lot of um, good points that were brought up. Um, one thing that kind of bothers me a little bit that I, I think you might want to reach out to the to the listeners is uh, especially the elderly that do live in those um, towers. Um, <clears throat> the buddy system is good a good idea except for if your buddy is out and say your buddy didn't tell you he was going out maybe to go grocery shopping or something like that. You yeah. know what I mean? Then you're scrambling looking for him You can't find them. And now you're putting, you know, the firefighter's lives in, yeah. in danger by going up there. You know what I
1: mean? Yeah. He seemed to think that, I mean, I, I mean, I think he was conscientious of that being a firefighter himself. So he still seems to think yeah. that, you know, I, I think oh, it's something oh, he probably yeah, would have accounted great, for.
2: Yeah. It's a great, it's a great, um, uh you know c- uh scenario you know if that's the case you know it's a good that's a good way of keeping everybody account of, accounted for um i was just thinking like when you, when when we were talking when you guys were talking about it uh i says well shit what if the what if the guy went out you know what i mean or if he you know we, we you know say he goes on a yeah. date with an old-time friend or something and he didn't tell you you know what i mean what was going on and god forbid something happened up there and you know they had to evacuate the building but yeah, no, that, that that was just my take on that. Um, I got one more thing for you. Um, sure. Kind of off topic. Um, sure, yeah, with whatever. The whole, with the whole um, LGBTQ shooter down there. Where was that, in California? Colorado. Colorado. What is it? Colorado, right?
1: Yeah, Colorado,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your take on him or her or they, whatever he wants to be called? Um, what's your take on that, um, him switching his gender to non-binary? Now, I... Is that for him to avoid being put in jail with men or women, or how? Where, where, where do they send him after he gets sentenced?
1: You know, so so I know that there's. It's interesting. It was an issue that I think was brought up a little bit during the sheriff's race about where they send people who are uh, LGBT uh, or people who are transgender. Um, typically, I think they just send people who um, are women to the women's unit you know, and identify as women to the women's unit and men to the men's unit. But um I know that there is and I don't know the you know the correction system in Colorado all that well. I know yeah. here in Massachusetts there is a one house of correction with a very specific transgender unit in Dedham and the only reason I know that is because I was in court one day and I think uh there was a lawyer up there arguing for his client his client had been accused of uh I think of a uh, motor vehicle homicide but he he had asked, his client was uh transgender and what he said was the the there is a unit for um this the his client in uh Dedham that's specific to transgender Uh, there's a specific transgender unit. Um, it's more suitable, all this other stuff. And the judge had no problem sending, uh, that, that's, uh, that defendant there. Um, I, I don't know what, I don't know what this person switching their designation. Um, you know, and I don't know, I don't know when they did it. I don't know how long they did it. Um, I don't know when they did it if they did it recently it could be um, other than you know obvi- the obvious, like uh, they just genuinely have you know gender dysphoria and want to you know be identified as non-binary. It could yeah, be yeah. maybe it's a tactic to avoid being charged with a hate crime, but he's already being charged with murder. So I just don't I don't yeah. know if that makes it less aggravated or anything like that. Um, yeah. I'm, I- I'm
2: kind of curious to see how it's going to all play out, you know, in, in inside the court system, you know what I mean? And, and see how he gets sentenced and all this other, oh, I don't even, you can't even call him a he because he doesn't identify. identify yeah, him. yeah. I he, you know what I mean? It's just all, it's all, it's all crazy
1: it is it, it, it yeah it is it is a little strange i did just hear about it um i did hear about it just before i went on air i just yeah i wasn't sure exactly the reason reasoning behind it i don't know if did he is it did he just switch to being a they them or is was he always it you know was yeah he...
2: no it, like it, it um you know i i i know you're not a fan of howie Carr but i mean i listened to i, listen I never to howie said Car- i wasn't a
1: fan of howie Carr.
2: Well, I, I don't know. Oh I I think it might have been either Tim. I, maybe Tim's not a fan of him, I guess, or I don't. I don't know. One, one of you guys, are, I know that. Um, but I I did, I was listening to Howie Carr and I heard his radio segment and I, you know, I I know he's. That's where all I over, heard.
1: I was so. listening to. I listen to Howie. He's he's the lead in. So I I I usually listen yeah. to Howie before I before yeah, I come in. Yeah,
2: he in. was all over it all night. So that's why I was curious to find. out. Yeah. You know, I, I I guess it broke it broke right before Howie's show, but, um, you know, he was all over it all night, but.
1: Yeah, I, I was just curious to get
2: your take on that. I um,
1: yeah, I I'd wonder kind of if it's to maybe him. to avoid like if there's any way that maybe avoids uh, a hate crime designation. But he's like, again, yeah, it's already it's, it's already murder. It's already murder. So it's but, like yeah. you can't really get any worse than like first degree murder. Um, right. You know, yeah. so it's the worst crime you can possibly commit. So I, I don't. I'm not entirely. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah,
2: I'm just curious where they where they're gonna send them. You know. If, if that's the case if they do like you said in denim they have a a designated transgender non binary whatever you know part of the yeah. you know correction system or whatever my guess to is th- that
1: you know my guess is they either have that or they or they they send uh they send that defendant to the place of his biological gender assignment um which yeah. in this case i i i suppose would be male so it would get yeah. sent to the male um the male, uh, unit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but there could be, it could be the, it could be the case that maybe for one reason or another, they want to be sent to a transgender yeah. unit.
2: Yeah. Well, have a good Thanksgiving.
1: You too. Thank you. All right. Thanks. 508-996-0500. Open phone lines. Uh, you know, or it's, it's, uh, it's Thanksgiving Eve. Uh, I'm going to take a break and then we'll uh, take your calls at 508-996-0500.
0: Download the W... She does she does Yes she does
3: And if somebody loved me like she does
0: she does Yes she does
1: Don't let me down Welcome back Just, uh, brushing up on that, uh, shooter was the, yeah, so uh, I'm not getting anything other than he's the, from his attorneys is identifying as non-binary. Um, again, I, I don't, maybe that could just be because he does, or sorry, my fault. They identify or they, they are non-binary, not even identify. They're just non-binary. I, who am I to say, uh, even, you know, listen, even. Uh, I'm to misgender him, even though he did do a, or is accused of doing a very horrible, horrible thing. Um, so I don't know why they did. I don't know when or what led them to. I to um, become non-binary. And all I'm getting is that he checked into the, or he was checked into the uh, El Paso County Jail, which I'm assuming is in Colorado, yet yeah, is in Colorado, not because people think El Paso, they always think of uh, Texas. So um, it's horrible thing, uh, not the first time a, uh, a gay club has been the target of a violent attack. Um, obviously, there was the Orlando shooting, which happened, I think, in the middle of the 2016 election, um, and that became, I think, a, you know, sort of a campaign issue uh, in and of itself, um, and the, of course, the, um, the nightclub, um, the uh, Puzzles nightclub in, uh, in New Bedford was attacked by that guy, um, Jake Robida. Right? Was it Robida? Doesn't matter what his name is. But he went in with a pistol and a hatchet. I'm sure a lot of you remember. I was in high school at the time. I remembered it. Uh, he was attacked. He was attacked with a uh, a pistol and a hatchet. By the way, guys, just just to clarify, if I start talking about the Kennedy assassination, if I start talking about um, this Colorado thing, uh, it's very like open discussion. Uh, it's Thanksgiving Eve. I'm just kind of, you know, it's not a, I'm just kind of coming in. I just want to talk with you guys. Uh, so if you want to talk with me, give me a call. I'll literally talk about whatever you want. Well, hmm, let me, uh, (laughs) tamp that down a bit. Um, if you call me with a topic, I will likely be interested in talking about it, whether it's local, whether it's statewide, or whether it's national. I'll probably talk about it. Uh, it's Thanksgiving Eve. I'm kind of just, you know, here hanging out with you guys. So uh, let me know what you want to talk about. Because I, again, I might get into the Kennedy assassination stuff because I just love it so much. I had a forty after the um after the uh, the show yesterday. I had like a forty-five minute conversation with somebody else on the phone about the whole thing, just unpacking all of it, um, all the connections and all the threads. Cause it's not just a, it's really, it's not even just a commentary on that event. It's a commentary, like Chris said yesterday, it's a commentary on historical events that happened before or um, before and after, right? It changed the course of history uh, in, um, you know, I think as much as it was as historically impactful, um, as a lot of major events, um, that happened in our lifetime, you know, like nine 11, it was, it had a, a, a similar level of h- historical impact in that it changed the trajectory of the country entirely. It changed the power structure. It changed a lot of things in this country, um, uh entirely so um besides just who became president and you know and all of that and who would become president so there's that but as far as the um yeah so if people remember there was was a local story here in in 2006 there was the uh the hi hey someone's waving to me i can't i can't see who it is because the windows were kind of dark but i appreciate you waving and thank you very much for, for stopping by and, and waving. Um, if you, if you can message me and let me know who that is. And, uh, I do appreciate the support. Thank you very much. I do have people come by and wave once in a while. Uh, it's nice. I like it. So, um, 508 500 is how you can get in the program. Yeah. If you remember in, in 2006, there was, uh, there was, uh, that guy, Jake Robida. he went into the puzzles nightclub with a hatchet and a pistol and he was, he didn't, he injured uh, some people. He injured some people. He wasn't able to, um, wasn't able to kill anybody then. Um, I, I had the president of the, uh, the local LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ organization actually call in, uh, around the 15th anniversary and we... Talked about a lot of not just the the puzzles nightclub, but you know a lot of the progress that's been made in um, acceptance of the LGBTQ community since then. Uh, but that was 2006, so that's coming off the heels of the the Goodridge decision, which was 2003, which was a Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court case that made Massachusetts the first place in the Commonwealth to recognize gay marriage. And then ten years later, uh, which would have been seven years after that incident, was the the two gay marriage cases. Uh, Ober, oh, I think Obergefell was the 2015 case. Uh, the other one was Windsor v. Connecticut. If someone has the exact sites, I, I can't. I was, you know, I was in law school at the time, actually, and uh, during that time, during the time of those gay marriage cases, um, one was Doma. The Defense of Marriage Act, right? The Defense of Marriage Act was passed in ninety six or ninety seven, and it was by the Clinton. Clinton signed it into law. It was passed by the the Newt Gingrich. Uh, you know, after following the the Newt Gingrich Revolution, following the Newt Gingrich Revolution in ninety four. Actually, the Republicans held the the House. All the way until 2006, from 94 until 90, 2006, they were they held the gavel for the Speaker of the House. It was Newt Gingrich, then it was Dennis Hastert. Eey, yikes! And um, then it was then it was Nancy Pelosi. I believe that was the, I believe that was the line of succession for Speaker of the House. And then Nancy Pelosi to John Boehner, and then John Boehner retired randomly. I think because he was sick of it. <laughs> And he was crying too much on the. He was crying too much in House Chambers, and then, um, and then he now he's like a, a weed mogul, and then it was Nancy Pelosi. No, then it was uh, Paul Ryan, then Nancy Pelosi again, then probably Kevin McCarthy. But we're hearing he doesn't have the two hundred eighteen votes. Some people are saying they're not going to vote for him. It depends on how many. Do they have two twenty? I don't know if they have two twenty or. 219 but they have a very slim the slimmest house majority in about 80 years maybe 90 years no actually 100 years i think since 1920 so it might not be kevin mccarthy last time he was supposed to be speaker and they didn't want him to be speaker he couldn't get the support to be speaker and that's when they just gave it to paul ryan because he was probably the most notable house republican at the time it was 2015 2016 it was twenty fifteen, and he had just a few years earlier ran on the Republican ticket, obviously, with Mitt Romney, you remember, in 2012 as the vice presidential presidential candidate. He was a Tea Party guy. He was, and at the time the Tea Party still held a pretty strong sway over the uh over the the House of Representatives. And Paul uh and Paul Ryan was very much, I think, not necessarily a product of the Tea Party. I'm not, I think he came in a little bit before then. He he got it. He, got, he was one of the younger House representatives. I think he was 26, 27. He was in his twenties when he got when he got elected. He was the son of a U.S. attorney, though. You know, he obviously came in with a strong backing and was able to get a House seat in Wisconsin. Which he then he he then decided he wasn't going to seek another term when he knew basically when he saw the the, the tea leaves and saw the Democrats were going to take the House. He didn't want to. He didn't want to. Go from being the speaker to being the minority leader. Right. And so he went, he went, uh, he stepped down. And uh, now he's talking about how much he paid Trump. But we went to all that. Oh, to say um, the Defense of Marriage Act actually was passed in, two, I think, 20, uh, 96, 97, the late 90s. Bill Clinton signed it into law. In that that case in, in 2000, and, that case in 2013, the Defense of Marriage Act case, I forget the exact name. I think it's Windsor. Windsor v. Something. I can't remember. I was in law school at the time. I, I followed it very closely. Uh, I mean, just I would anyway, but just being a law student in general, obviously, we, we listened. We actually sat in and listened. We had listening parties because I was part of the, uh, the LGBTQ um, group uh, called Outlaw. Um, just. Mostly out of solidarity, you know. Um, mostly out of solidarity it was an it was an issue I really believed in strongly, uh, marriage equality and all of that. So I wanted to join that organization. That's actually where I'm, and through that organization, I actually met Maura Healy, uh, you know, the first openly gay, um, openly uh, gay governor of Massachusetts. But at the time, she was just um, an assistant attorney general. And she was collecting signatures at an event uh, up in Boston, I think held by Mintz Levin, which is a big law firm in Boston. And I met her and I, you know, I was like, wow, this this woman's very impressive. You know, I hadn't heard of her at the time, Um, but then she obviously, you know, where that, you know, she went from there, attorney general and all of that. But uh, that Kate and she was one of the people that argued, actually, she was one of the people that argued uh, in favor of the. Um, getting rid of the Defense of Marriage Act, uh, the or the provision in the Defense of Marriage Act that defined as a matter of federal law, uh, marriages between one man and one one woman, that was um, stricken down by the Supreme Court in a five to four decision by Anthony Kennedy. Anthony Kennedy was a Reagan appointee, but he was he was often seen as a swing vote. I don't think he was necessarily always a swing vote. He wasn't like a purple justice. He was very conservative. But on issues of uh, gay rights and marriage equality, he he was sympathetic. Or he... That's the way he... Yeah, he was sympathetic to that movement. And was the... He wrote the opinion on on that case. And then Scalia had basically... Who was a dissenter. um, Scalia had said... uh, Well, if you... You know, well, if you if you are making this ruling, then this ruling is basically a gateway to making mar- gay marriage just the law of the land. Because what DOMA did at the time was get rid, of, uh, basically, give full faith and credit to any marriage that's being recognized in any state that allowed gay marriage to be recognized in other states, like Texas and Kentucky. Remember that that clerk in Kentucky famously wouldn't approve marriage licenses that were. Um, that were given full faith and credit. I forget her name and that's good. Her name doesn't matter, but uh, then she was put in jail for not doing her job. But uh, so 2013, that DOMA was stricken down. And then there was, I think it was Obergefell in 2015 that made gay marriage law of the land. Now with the six to three Supreme court, it might be, you know, Clarence Thomas basically invited people to challenge that decision um, based on the uh, the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade because they said substantive due process basically is not um, is not something that they follow or not something that they follow in the way that they used to follow. So that, that case is very much in jeopardy. Um, so I think, you know, obviously it's a horrible, horrible tragedy. Um, and But underpinning it is, I think, a continued struggle for acceptance uh, from the LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ community and, um, the looming threat of the rights that they had fought for, that they had gotten, um, being threatened by the Supreme Court, by this current 6-3 majority, this new super majority, basically, on the Supreme Court. So, I mean, obviously, again, it's a horrible tragedy, uh, and underneath it, you know, under, like I said, underpinning it is not only a continued struggle, I think, for rights for the LGBTQ community, but they're, you know, basically they're the threat that those rights that they fought for would be taken away. I think there's been a lot of progress made, but I think events like this show that, you know, we're prob- we're still a long ways away. All right, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred is how you can get in the program. Let's take a break. We'll be right back.
0: Fourteen twenty WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. Since the- you don't have to stick by your radio to hear all of South Coast Tonight. Stream Chris and Marcus on the WBSM app or download their podcast. South Coast Tonight continues now. Hey, welcome back. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Hi. Good night. How are you? Good. How you doing?
3: hanging in there you know it's funny but this holiday uh, i just hope people realize that uh, like tonight for instance is the eve Uh, easy on the alcohol
1: oh yeah no absolutely especially on thanksgiving eve like listen besides the fact that you know it's it's the safe thing to do is to you know make sure you have a plan to get home safely either via a designated driver or uh, an uber or a cab um, you know, there's there's just there's going to be checkpoints, right? You you yeah, you also just don't uh, you don't want to get no DUI. You don't,
3: not in Massachusetts. You don't. It'll right. stay with you all your life. It will. It, it never it's, comes off the book. It's an expensive, high premium for it. It's like
1: you hit the lottery reverse. It's it, exactly it. Yeah, it's. I, I think that's a great way to put it because uh, it will cost you a lot of money, time and court, and uh, a significant loss, of uh, time that you lose your license, even if you're successful. That's right. Yeah.
3: Uh, I can honestly speak to that. I had one when I was uh, eighteen years old. Oh! And then I, I had one when I was let's see, two thousand. I had one when I was fifty-eight. Wow! So it was that span of uh, forty years. Yeah, I think so. Here's the thing: if you have a, um... they hit me. They hit
1: me as a multiple drunk driver. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and I paid over twenty thousand.
1: Now they and, uh, you know, now they have what's called a Cahill resolution. So if your if your first OUI was within ten years of um <clears throat> I'm sorry. If your first OUI was more than 10 years uh, apart from your second OUI, your first OUI will get treated. uh, Your second OUI will get treated as a first OUI that might not have been in in place when you uh, when you'd gotten your second one. But that's what's in place now. Every lawyer. I mean, if you get obviously if you have if you're being charged, you get a lawyer. But every lawyer should know that. I've had that. Yeah,
3: you were on that because that's reasonable because of the fact. that Rhode Island's always been that way. You reset after yeah, ten years, of course. Because why? Why should you carry an insurance premium for something you did when you're eighteen years old? I agree. I agree. And so anyway, getting back, well, look at Debbie uh, Overland. She was ahead hey, of uh Mothers Against can, Drunk Driving. Can, she got can you, busted for drunk driving.
1: I got to take this break. Can you call back in the nine o'clock hour? Sure. All right, great. Thanks. If if this conversation is
3: interesting enough,
1: why not? Sure. Sounds good. All right, I'm going to take a break. I'll be right back. Bye-bye um obviously make a plan uh, for both thanksgiving thanksgiving eve this weekend or really any weekend but this is obviously a you know a very high alcohol consumption uh couple of days so make sure you have a plan um but there is yeah that's if you get two two ouis that and it, one, one of them is 10 years apart and you didn't do a 14-day inpatient program there's a cahill disposition that p- treats your first one like you're Uh, Your your second one, like your first one, any lawyer will know that I've handled a few Cahill cases myself. One other thing I wanted to note before we end the hour and open phone lines in the nine o'clock hour. We can talk about whatever you want. I might, uh, you know, continue. I'll continue a conversation, but, um, basically, uh, uh the so i said that you could uh ian said ian abrew said you could pull papers on monday um robert cabral is a candidate for ward three he had messaged me and said you can you can't uh pull papers until probably december 1st or 2nd he had talked to manny to at the elections office that's what uh, he had said so december 1st december 2nd if you're a candidate you can pull papers for ward three that's a big race and one we'll be covering heavily here at wbsm hey i gotta take this break uh give me a call in the nine o'clock hour